This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. Pod baby. I'm your host, Evan Grove, and this episode is brought to you by SB Nation, part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Uh, it's been a few weeks, uh, you know, since we've uh, last spoke, uh, but this is the first of many upcoming off-season editions of the podcast. Um, again, we, we took a few weeks off there after the season ended, uh, but I, I started getting the itch, so I figured I needed to get behind the mic and get some and get some thoughts out there to you guys. Um, There has been some news that has come down the pipeline since we last spoke. Some roster moves were made. The Raiders are now officially known as the Las Vegas Raiders. And, of course, there has been plenty of uh, draft talk going on uh, with the completion of the Senior Bowl last week. Now, speaking of the Senior Bowl, later in the show I'll be joined by Dane uh, Brugler, NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. You don't want to miss that conversation I had with him. Lots of good information uh, from him, so make sure you tune in for that later on in the show. Um, so let's let's get right into it. Let's jump right into it. Uh, so, some updated roster moves that were made uh, since the last time that we we spoke. Um, guard Richie Incognito was signed to a two-year contract extension worth up to fourteen million dollars. Um, you know, Incognito was uh, brought in last year to you know solidify an offensive line that that really struggled to protect Derek Carr in two thousand eighteen. Uh, Incognito, as well as Trent Brown, were both both brought in, and um, you know to add some some added protection on the line there. Um, now this addition of Incognito really came under some some heavy scrutiny uh, due to his checkered pass, and rightfully so. You know he uh, he had definitely had some uh, issues, you could say, uh, you know, surrounding his his mental health. Um, he had some run-ins with the law and whatnot, but really, you know, he, he was able to put that behind him. He served his uh, two-game suspension, and, and he was really a good soldier uh, for the team this year and, and a good leader inside that locker room. Now, I can't lie, I was I was one of those skeptics uh, who questioned the move to bring in Incognito, um, but I remember um, in Mike Mayock's first interview after incognito was signed he made it clear that there was going to be a plan in place um, to help Richie stay on the right path and it really seemed to work out well for for both parties involved now incognito will turn 37 um, 
during the season, uh, this upcoming 2020 season. Um, you know, so he, you do have some concerns about his age, but despite, you know, his, his advanced age, he had a really solid season playing, um, between Colton Miller and, and Rodney Hudson. Um, I went and took a look at some advanced stats over at, uh, sports info solutions, which is where, uh, our lead site editor at silver and black pride.com, uh, Cyril, uh, actually does some work. And uh, I, I took a look at some of the analytic numbers, and um, in 414 passing snaps, uh, he surrendered only three blown blocks. So that, that's pretty impressive. So he, he was really solid. Uh, it, really, he was one of the best guards in football this year. So definitely a great value signing there. Uh, they got a lot of bang for their buck. Uh, I also think that his presence was one of the the key factors in the development of of Colton Miller in his second season. Now, you know, I know that Colton Miller got a lot stronger and put on some weight uh, throughout the off season, but I, I do think having a a veteran like uh, Incognito next to Miller really helped him along uh, this year. He did miss two games down the stretch uh, with an injury. Uh, again, so I do have some c- concerns going forward about you know will the body hold up as he you know again 37, 38 he'll be he'll be uh, what 39 years old when this contract expires. Uh, w- will the body hold up for him in the next two years? Uh, but you know y- you can't argue the the production or the value that they found uh, in uh, with Incognito. The next roster move that was made was re-signing another offensive lineman. And that was uh, Denzel Good. The contract, his contract is for one year, and I wasn't able to. Uh, I don't. I don't know exactly the terms as far as the money that is concerned with with that deal. But um, you know, it is for one year, and and I do like the move to bring Good back. Uh, he made five spot starts last season, and and he more than than held his own. In fact, I, I think it it's fair to say that. Uh, when he was in there, the offensive line did not miss a beat. Uh, he he can play both guard spots, which is which is ideal. And, and some out there are now not everyone may agree with this thought, but I, I have heard, uh, I have heard that get put out there, I guess, on social media and in other uh, websites and whatnot that I like to read. But um, there are some out there that are in the belief that when you look at the makeup of the the roster and, and the current salary cap situation, which actually is is in really good shape, I believe they have about seventy five million to spend uh, this this free agency should they want to. Um, if there is one player though who could become a cap casualty, uh, the name that I keep hearing is, is guard starting right guard Gabe Jackson. Uh, Jackson did not have, you know, one of his best seasons. Uh, you know, he dealt with that sprained MCL, which which cost him, you know, some of this the beginning parts of the season. I think he missed what the first seven weeks. I believe he came back the week after the bye. Um, anyhow, um, you know, was he fully healthy? Was was he playing hurt? I guess was the knee an issue? Uh, was that a factor in his his down season? You know, I, I, we won't know that answer, uh, or we don't know that answer, I should say. But one thing we, we do know for sure is he does have a massive um, hit to the to the salary cap. I, I believe that is $11 million. I think I'll have to check that out. 
Uh, but yeah, 11 million, I believe, is the is the hit uh, to the cap for him. So you know, it, it's possible they could choose to to save that money uh, by by cutting him and, and just deciding to roll with with good uh, as a starting right guard. Now that obviously would would mean they'd have to go out and get some more depth uh, through free agency or the draft. But it, it is possible. Uh, is it likely? You know, I don't I don't know. Um, I have heard Gruden say multiple times since taking over um, in his second stint that you know he, he he praised the interior part of the offensive line. And now this is back when they had uh, Osamele uh, as well. But uh, you know he 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 has really talked about the interior of the offensive line as being one of the best in football. So uh, I know he does like Jackson, and so I would think it I, w- I would see it as a surprise if, if Jackson was not back but certainly something to keep an eye on now the last notable offseason transaction that was made was uh deciding to bring back cornerback uh, Nevin Lawson also on a one-year extension and, and like um like Denzel Good Lawson made five starts last season and uh, he also had appearances in, in 11 games total the majority of his action came in the latter parts of the season when, when those injuries were beginning to mount um, in the secondary, uh, specifically to uh, LaMarcus Joyner and uh, Daryl Worley. He, he, uh, he, you know, Lawson stepped in there and, and did fairly well. Um, you know, Lawson provides the secondary with, with, with a few different things. You know, not only does he give him some depth, but he does have starting experience from his time in Detroit, and he's very versatile, and I think that's one of the things that the coaching staff likes about him. He does have the ability to play in the slot as well as on the outside. So, you know, he's a good depth player to have around. I don't think you want to rely on him to start 15, 16 games, but, um, you know, I think he's definitely a serviceable serviceable player um, and, a, and a guy that, you know, on a one-year deal, I don't think it, it hurts to bring him back. Now, certainly the the cornerback position is is one in which um, you know you should definitely expect Mike Mayock to address that position uh, in some form, uh, whether it's through free agency or in the draft. There's definitely some upgrades that are needed there. Um, you know, besides um, Mullen, you know, who do you really feel that confident in is my question. Jonathan Abram is coming back this season off that torn labrum. Um, what are they going to do with Joiner? Is he could you know could he be a cap casualty? He had a rough season as well last year. Are they going to move him back to safety where he he's a little bit more comfortable? So there's definitely some question marks in the secondary. So I would definitely expect uh, Mayak to hit that position hard. The next piece of uh, news that I wanted to touch on has to do with the Raiders' new home, and that is Las Vegas. It's finally official as of uh, January 22nd. You can now call them the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, owner Mark Davis, President Mark Bedane, and a handful of um, current and, and, and former players were, were out in Las Vegas last week to take part in the uh, name uh, change ceremony. They had a little presentation there out by Allegiant Stadium, and it, it looked like it was a really nice uh, really nice event. Um you know, I've seen the change made everywhere, pretty much. It's on the website now, uh, the the Twitter page, 
Um, you know, if you watch NFL Network and the ticker scrolling across the bottom, it, you know, it'll say Las Vegas Raiders. So it's definitely official. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, it's 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 a change that's it's going get, to take some getting used to, of course, but it's it's something that I'm very, very excited about. Um, you know, Vegas is a, is a town that I just love. I've been out there uh, four times. Um, and I can't wait to get out there again. You know, my wife and I have, have, have small kids, so I haven't been able to get out there since I've had my, my two boys, but, uh, I do plan to get out there this season. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a native of uh, Western New York. My wife is a Bills fan and, and lucky for me, the Raiders played Buffalo this year out there in Vegas. So, uh, I've already convinced the wife to, uh, you know, make a trip out there with me. So, Planning to be out there for that Buffalo versus uh, you know Raiders game uh, this season, but um, also I wanted to talk about uh, as you know the 2020 draft is being held in Las Vegas, and that's a smart move by the NFL I think to uh, just kind of introduce uh, you know the fans of the league to to the new market, and it and it'll really help put uh, the city on the map as as a football town. So I think it's a great way to kind of market uh, the new uh, you know the new uh, Football city, and uh, plans were released last week as well for where different uh, events uh, will take place and which, which venues they will be at and whatnot. Um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to see them or, or read about them, but it looks really cool. Uh, there's gonna be, you know, how before the draft, uh, they have the red carpet, uh, I guess, and so that's gonna be held this year. Um, on the Bellagio fountains, like on the water, which is uh, is insane. Uh, they're gonna build a red carpet stage right across the water. Players and their families will be boated over to the the red carpet stage, and that's where the, where they'll take part in uh, pre-draft interviews and photos and whatnot. So that that's really cool. Uh, that'll be a sight to see. And then of course the main stage where. Um, the picks will all be made is being held at Caesars Palace uh, Forum. And again, that's where all the picks will be made. So it's going to be an amazing experience for not only um, the the prospects who are going to be, you know, drafted into the league, but also their families as well as the fans. So, uh, you know, you know, Vegas is not going to disappoint with this event. And finally, I want to... Um, I'll wrap up this first segment with just some brief thoughts uh, on the Senior Bowl, which took place last week down in uh, Mobile, Alabama. It's one of the uh, more uh, marquee events uh, of this pre-draft prospect. Um, it's definitely the most um, well-known of the postseason All-Star games, I guess you could say. Uh, you had the Shrine Game, the East West or the East West Shrine Game, and I believe there's another one, but but the Senior Bowl is the one that scouts um, and coaches recognize as as you know the the more elite of the of the bunch. Um, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch every minute of every practice, but I did I did DVR them and I went back and, and watched quite a bit. And um, you know, as always, the quarterbacks really dominate the conversation at these types of events. But there were some really good performances throughout the week of practice and, and during the game by, by several different players. Uh, guys like Terrell Lewis from Alabama, uh, Bradley and, and I uh, from Utah, edge rusher, had three sacks in the game. You know, this is a guy who had 13 sacks during the season. Um, Van Jefferson was was 
praised all week long for his his polished route running skills. Um, Jason Strobridge from uh, defensive lineman from North Carolina, who is who's kind of a tweener. He played at around 285 throughout the season, primarily on the defensive line. He came to the Senior Bowl weighing in at uh, a little bit lighter, around 265, to kind of show that he could. He has some versatility. He can line up um, inside. He can line up on the edge. So he definitely helped himself. Wide receiver Colin Johnson from Texas, big body, 6'6", 220. And, and a guy who was probably the most dominant player on the practice field. He didn't even finish the week of practice or participate in the game. That was Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. Really looked like a, a man among boys out there. So so plenty of guys that, that made themselves some money. And uh, and the good news for the Raiders is that a lot of these guys that I mentioned play positions of need for the Raiders. So it's possible that we could see some of these guys uh, wearing the silver and black someday. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break. When we return, I'll be joined by NFL draft analyst Dane Brugler from The Athletic. He spent the week out there in Mobile, so you're going to want to tune in for this. You will hear some of his thoughts. Don't go anywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On the line with me now is Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Those of you who don't know Dane, he is a NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. Dane, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, and I do want to uh, again thank you for uh, you know giving me giving us some of your time tonight. I know this is a very busy time of the year for you. I know you've been traveling all over the place, uh, following some of these uh, postseason All Star games in college. So uh, I appreciate you f- for uh, hopping on. Now I'd like to ask you uh, before we get into um, Senior Bowl questions and, and and some Raider specific draft questions. If you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your career and and how it's kind of led to where uh, where you are today with the athletic. Well, I'm I'm very blessed. I get to cover football for a living, uh, specifically scouting, which has always been my passion. Um, and you know, it really started uh, in, in high school as a teenager. Um, you know, I enjoyed playing football, but scouting, the evaluation side of things, strategy. That that's what really uh, drove me uh, and got me excited. And so um, I went to Mount Union College, Division Three uh, football powerhouse, and it just so happened that Pierre Garcon uh, and I were seniors together. And um, I didn't play for Mount Union; I worked for the football team. And part of my responsibilities, uh, whenever we'd have scouts in town, uh, I would take care of them. And that was kind of my first introduction to the scouting world. And um, I still have a lot of those relationships um, uh, from that networking uh, from those times uh, today. And so uh, that that really got me started down this path. And I've been very thankful to uh, learn under a lot of different scouts throughout the league who kind of gave me my scouting education um, about uh, how to evaluate this game, what to look for, the traits, um, just different things like that. And um, it's something I've been able to uh, really make a career out of and so it's something that um, uh, I'll never it's, it's it's a grind there's no question about it but I'll never complain uh, about being able to do this 
uh, as my career, and uh, I'm very blessed to say I can do it. Mount Union, I'm very familiar with that school. I had some friends of mine that played some uh, Division Three football themselves, and so you know, each year I try to uh, you know catch a little bit of the Stag Bowl, which usually does feature mm-hmm. Mount Union. So uh, yeah, familiar with that school. Um, okay, let's jump right into it now with the Senior Bowl. You were there. Uh, you know, you had a chance to kind of take it all in live. Give me um, some of your biggest risers. Who helped themselves out the most last week in uh, Mobile? I would have to say that several of the small school guys, um, you know, a lot of these uh, bigger name players, uh, you know, we already a good, good grasp on what they do very well, what they struggle at. Um, and a lot of guys, I think, cemented what we thought of them going in. But one area where these all-star games really matter is the smaller school guys. Uh, you, you watch Division Two player on tape and, you know, he's dominating, but what does that really tell you uh, when he's, you know, going up against guys that are future accountants and dentists and, you know, no, no offense to those professions, but it doesn't give you a very good gauge of how they're going to be able to perform against NFL level talent, but the senior bowl does. And so Adam Troutman, uh, FCS uh, tight end uh, from Dayton, kind of rewrote the record books um, uh, for the Dayton Flyers, uh, all-time leading receiver, uh, the first uh, tight end in that conference's history to be offensive player of the year. He goes to the senior bowl and he looks just as athletic, just as dominant as he did on tape. And uh, this is going to sound very, very much like a hot take, but Adam Troutman has a legitimate chance to be the first tight end drafted this year. And a lot of that is because of what he did last week at the senior bowl. And, you know, he came into the week as a top three tight end. So it's not like he was totally off the radar. I think he was like 72 or 71 on my top 100 board but his ability to show that he belonged at that event and get open against uh, the safeties that were in town really impressive uh the other small school guy uh that really impresses kyle duggar linebacker safety from lenore ryan division two school just a your classic late bloomer uh didn't get a, a lot of chances in high school to show what he could do uh goes to division two level and just just blossoms uh he and he has the athleticism where he can cover in space he's twitched up uh, he's uh, a very good tackler coming downhill. You can run the alley. Uh, there's so many different things you could do with him. I've talked to some teams that see him as a safety. Some believe he's a linebacker, but uh, you know, either way, you're getting a big time player. I think he secured his status as a day two player. So uh, th- those are just two of the names that really stood out to me as guys that I created a buzz. And you know, as you're leaving Mobile, they left a lasting impression. I want to talk a little bit about the trenches now. Uh, on on the offensive line, in particular on the interior, was there anyone there that stood out to you? And um, also on the defensive line, anyone who helped themselves there? Well, you know, I think that uh, on the interior of the offensive line, uh, to me, I think there's two two centers that are at the top of uh, in, in this draft uh, in terms of the rankings, and it's Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. And I think we're, there, there's a debate, and depending on who you talk to, uh, the top center in this class. And some prefer Ruiz, some prefer Cushenberry. Uh, Ruiz was not at the senior bowl, but Cushenberry was. And I thought he did a really nice job. You know, he's coming off uh, a 15-game uh, season, winning the national title, goes straight to Mobile, and did a really nice job against, uh, you know, the top-level interior talent that was there. He's a very smart guy. Uh, that, that's the biggest thing that kind of stands out with him is his ability to quickly pick up concepts, 
Uh, he did a really nice job with the pro coaching that was there at the Senior Bowl, and I think Cushenberry helped himself uh, with his performance uh, in, in Mobile. Um, you know, I, I, in terms of the guards, I think Jonah Jackson from Ohio State, uh, I think he secured his status as uh, maybe one of the top five guards in this class. Uh, Damian Lewis, Cushenberry's teammate at LSU, he performed really well. I think he put himself um, in the mid-round conversation trying to get into day two. So I think several of the interior offensive linemen helped themselves. Uh, and then on uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, I think you have to start with uh, North Carolina, Jason Strobridge. Uh, he's a player who kind of uh, lost a little bit in uh, for the Tar Heels program because he played as an interior player. Uh, and he's only, you know, 270, 275. Uh, he played, or he, they kicked him out to edge in for this uh, for the Senior Bowl, and he looked he, uh, very natural there. He's explosive. You see the upper body power that he offers. I mean, he can beat you with quickness. He can beat you with uh, with strength. And so I think Jason Strobridge uh, certainly helped himself with uh, how he performed during practice. Dane Bergler, uh, NFL draft analyst for The Athletic on the line with me. Uh, I do want to kind of shift gears, and I want to get into some more Raiders draft-specific questions here. Uh, you know, they have plenty of needs uh, on both sides of the ball. Let's start on the offense with wide receiver. Were there any guys at the Senior Bowl that, you know, <clears throat> aren't your top-end guys, but maybe kind of fall into that round three, round four range uh, that impressed you at all last week? Oh yeah, for sure. And, and listen, this this wide receiver class is just loaded, and uh, you know that's going to be what we're we're going to talk about the next few months. It's going to be the main storyline throughout draft weekend. And it, the thing is, is you look at this. I mean, try to rank these receivers, and you end up with like twenty guys that you think could go top one hundred. But on average, only twelve and a half receivers go in the top one hundred picks. So who's going to be the odd man out? So I think there's going to be a lot of these receivers have talent. They're going to have discount stickers on them, and you're going to be able to get them in the late third into the fourth round. Uh, and guys like uh, Antonio Gandy Golden from Liberty, 6'4, 216 pounds. Uh, you know, I don't, T. Higgins to me, the first round talent, but I don't see a huge gap between a guy like T. Higgins and Gandy Golden, except you're going to get Gandy Golden a couple rounds later. Uh, very fluid athlete. Uh, he's very uh, natural at the catch point uh, with his tracking skills and ability to finish. He's a former gymnast, and so I think that shows on the football field. Um, you know, and Gandy Golden is going to be available in the third round, maybe in the fourth, depending on you know how these receivers uh, shake out. Colin Johnson from Texas, another one who, coming into the year, Colin Johnson was the top senior receiver for a lot of NFL teams, uh, national, NFS. The scouting service had uh, Colin Johnson as the top uh, senior wide receiver, uh, but his senior year did not go as planned. Uh, nagging hamstring injury was out half the year. Uh, he reminded people at the senior bowl, hey, this is why I was so highly thought of. I mean, 6'6", six, six, he has some nuance to his routes, big catch radius. Um, and, and again, one of these guys that uh, might be squeezed out of the top 75 picks. And, you know, they're going to have that discount sticker on him. So there's a lot of talent at this wide receiver position that, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to go. I mean, I love Jerry Judy. I love CeeDee Lamb you don't have to go receiver in the first round. You might be better off going with a linebacker, a corner, a, a more pressing need, and then going to get your wide receiver in the third or fourth. 
yeah, I'm actually going to uh, follow up on that question in just a second. But before I do that, I wanted to, you know, I watched some of the Senior Bowl coverage myself, and it seemed like a lot of the receivers, you know, who they kept mentioning, obviously, were Michael Pittman uh, Jr., mm-hmm. uh, Van Jefferson, uh, Hill, K.J. Hill from Ohio State, and, and Denzel Mims. Where where do you think those guys will kind of end up settling in, you know, as we move through the draft process as far as what round they'll be selected in? Where do you see them kind of settling? I think Michael Pittman will be somewhere in the top uh, 60. Um, I think based off of senior year that he had, um, and, and he just cemented that at the senior bowl. So I don't consider him a third round guy. I think he's more of a second round guy. And I think the two guys, Denzel Mims and Van Jefferson, I think both, they moved themselves from the fourth round into the third round and rising. I mean, both guys uh, appeared on my uh, my list of, of risers from the senior bowl week. Uh, so I think they, they really helped themselves. Denzel Mims, uh, I think once you got him out of that Baylor offense, it just, you know, there's a lot of question marks, you know, could he get off press coverage? Could he be more than just a, a vertical guy? Can he uh, show the quickness and the sync that you want to see uh, in his route running? And you didn't see that on his Baylor tape, but you did see it during senior bowl week. And so Denzel Mims certainly helped himself. Van Jefferson, he, he has a master's degree in route running. Uh, just the corners that were there in one-on-ones, they've never faced a college wide receiver that has that type of, uh, that level of route running. And so Van Jefferson was able to take care uh, take care of that. And that's what's going to help him be an immediate uh, contributor in the NFL is just that, that route running that he offers. Now, worry about the play strength a little bit, not a big yak uh, target, but he's a guy that can get open based off of, uh, his ability to set up DBs and create his own separation. Very good. Um, now you mentioned, uh, you know, possibly the idea of you know not having to go after a Jerry Judy or a or a CD Lamb in the first round. You talked about maybe looking to get a cornerback or even a linebacker. So I've got two questions here about that. One of the cornerbacks who I was really looking forward to uh, to seeing was uh, LSU's Christian Fulton. Obviously, he decided to pull out of the Senior Bowl after you know the national championship game and whatnot. Um, can you give me uh, you know, a quick assessment uh, of him? Yeah, and Fulton is he's an instinctive guy. I mean, he's got decent size. He's a good athlete. Um, my, my biggest question with him is just can he be a consistent tackler and then can he be a better finisher down the field? Um, you know, he is a guy that uh, he, he makes a little bit too much contact downfield when he tries to, you know, turn, find the football, uh, make a play. Uh, but he is an athlete who can shadow uh, receivers. He didn't have the best performance in the national title game. But when you look at his body of work, two seasons as a starter, uh, he, he is a big-time player, and he's right there in, in that first-round mix. And really, I, after Jeffrey Okuda, I mean, Jeff Okuda from Ohio State's a top guy. I don't think there's many people that disagree with that. But after Okuda, you have uh, you know five, six corners that are kind of all in, in the same range. I, there's not it, it, not huge difference between these guys. And so I think you're from team to team, you're going to have different orders with you know, Trevon Diggs from Bama, from Christian Fulton, uh, C.J. Henderson from Florida, um, Damon Arnett, Ohio State, Jeff Gladney from TCU, A.J. Terrell from Clemson. Uh, these guys are really talented, and it, it, we're, going to have, we're going to see different orders from team to team in terms of how they're going to come off the board, how early, uh, first round, early second round. And so I don't think there's going to be any consensus after Okuda for the next five or six corners. Now, do, do you feel Okuda is the only, uh, you know, first-round guy? Or you, where do you see uh, Fulton, you know, say Diggs, or, and Terrell from Clemson, where do you see those guys uh, settling in? 
I think Okuda's the only slam dunk first rounder. I mean, he's he, he it would be a shock if he fell out of the top, you know, nine, ten picks. I think he's he's got a good chance to be. Uh, you know, the, the draft starts with Burrow and Chase Young. Uh, you know, barring any trades, and then there's a good chance Okuda's number three. Um, uh, he has the talent to do that. And then after that, yeah, it, it's it's kind of up in the air because I, I know some teams, you know, love Trevon Diggs because he's 6'2", he's over 200 pounds, he's going to run in the low 4'4s, four um, and, and so the trades are off the charts, but there's some things you worry about there. Same thing was similar with C.J. Henderson, 6'1", 200 pounds, low 4'4s, four just not a playmaker, struggles as a tackler. So each one of these guys has a question mark uh, with them, and it's just from team to team, it's going to be okay. Well, what are we most comfortable with? You know, maybe it's a, a guy like Damon Arnett or Jeff Gladney. Um, you know, AJ Terrell did not have the best end to his college career, got beat quite a few times. Uh, but, you know, it, we look at Jamar Chase, one of the best receivers in college football. Um, you know, but before that, AJ Terrell, I mean, people forget the year before he picked off Tua uh, in the national title game and returned it for a touchdown. So, you know, this is a talented player and uh, teams are going to look at these guys very differently. And there's going to be a different order uh, for when they come off the board from, and it could be as early as, you know, the top 20, uh, or we could see maybe some guy like a Christian Fulton, if he's still available in the second round, uh, that wouldn't be a surprise. Dane Brugler from the Athletic NFL Draft Analyst joining us here on Just Pod Baby, doing a great job here, giving us some great information. I just got two more questions for you. It's no secret that uh, for years the Raiders' defense has lacked a you know a difference maker in the middle at linebacker. The fan base is hoping and praying that uh, you know Isaiah Simmons somehow falls to them at twelve. Um, I'm not quite sure how you feel about that, but the two names that I keep mentioning on Twitter are, are Kenneth Murray and uh, and Patrick Queen. Um, what do you think about those two players? Yeah, and Murray, that, that's where I had the Raiders going uh, in, in my latest mock draft. I think he's he's got great play speed for the position, sideline to sideline range. Uh, he is a super competitive guy. I mean, a mean-spirited tackler, uh, uses his length well to kind of lasso and, and finish t- uh, ball carriers. Uh, he's an explosive blitzer. Uh, he, he can cover ground versus the pass. And this is a guy who he's got the juices, the competitive juices that you want. I mean, he he calls himself a natural-born leader, two-time team captain. So there's a lot to like about Kenneth Murray. The biggest thing that I worry about, he's sometimes he'll be late to diagnose um, a bad habit of taking the cheese and you know going with misdirection or play action. Um, you know, needs a, a half second to kind of sort through what the offense is doing. But once he sees it, boom, he's shot out of a cannon and goes. And that's why he's going to be uh, a first-round player. Uh, Patrick Queen, I like a lot. He is a really fluid athlete. And he's, he looks the part. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that I, I see as more of a second-round player. Um, I think there are times where he's unable to get off the block. Um, he doesn't finish. Uh, you know, it, too many missed tackles on his tape. I, I like him quite a bit. I just see him as more of a, an early uh, to mid second rounder rather than a top 25 guy. Like, like I think Murray, uh, that's where he belongs. Okay. Final question here before I let you go. Um, you talked about your, your first round mock draft. So if you were calling the shots for the Raiders and, um, and you can just kind of go off of your mock if you want, who, mm-hmm. who are the players that, you know, you're targeting or, or even selecting in the first round with the 12th overall pick in the 19th overall pick? 
Well, in my mock draft, I think it worked out perfectly uh, for the Raiders because I think there is a realistic scenario uh, where they could be sitting there at number 12 and no receivers came off the board in the first 11 picks. And, you know, I heard from a lot of people saying, oh, that's crazy. You know, Jerry Judy's a top five pick. C.D. Lamb's a top 10 pick. And they very well, very well might go that early. But again, I've heard from, you know, so many people around the league saying, yeah, no way I'm taking receiver that early because I'm going to go offensive tackle because uh, it's a strong, uh, top-heavy offensive tackle class. And so I'm going to get my, my tackle or, you know, a playmaker like Akuda or Isaiah Simmons or, you know, on and on and on, all these guys, because I feel comfortable uh, about the receiver I'm going to get later on. And while the Raiders might also think that way, they might be in a position at sitting there at number 12 where C.D. Lamb is too good to pass up. And I, I really like that fit there. I think C.D. Lamb is the, the type of receiver that John Gruden's going to love, that Mike Mayock's going to love. He's a, a, a high, five, uh, high football IQ type of receiver, strong ball skills. Uh, there's just a lot to like about him. So if he's available at number 12, I think it makes a lot of sense. And then at 19, I mean, the guy we just talked about with, with Kenneth Murray, I think he is a – uh, he is the type of dude that uh, you want on your side. Uh, he's went over triple-digit uh, tackles each of the last two years. Um, you know, there are times where, again, he's late to see things, but his instant speed, that's the equalizer. He flows so fast. He attacks so fast. And, I mean, he's just your prototypical three-down, run-and-hit linebacker, the type of guy that can be a tone setter on that side of the ball, and I think that's exactly what – Raiders have been looking for so in all Oklahoma first round 12 and 19 I think that would uh, be a, a home run first day for the Raiders uh, in April now real quick um, you know I, I've I get I've been getting a lot of feedback because um, I've been very pro Murray myself and a lot of the mm-hmm. the feedback or, or criticisms uh, of Murray people are, are, are saying he's not, he's not very good in coverage um, I, I've watched quite a few of his games this year and it seems like Oklahoma played a lot of zone defense where he wasn't asked to match up you know one-on-one how do you feel about him as as you know cover covering coverage yeah yeah I think he he covers a lot of ground I mean this, this guy that speed that he plays with translates in reverse as well um, I think that uh, when you watch his tape, he the way that Oklahoma used him, he was much more of an upfield player than in, in reverse and coverage. And so I think it's not necessarily that he can't do it. We just haven't seen it a ton, you know, whereas with other linebackers, you know, I'd say a Simmons and some others, they're more proven at it because we've seen him do it more. But in the, the small sample size that we have of Murray dropping and uh, you know, playing in coverage, he does it just fine. And I think he'll continue to get better at when he sees more of it. He just hasn't been asked to do it a ton because he's been so explosive as a blitzer and an upfield player. And so that's how the Sooners used him, which I don't blame them at all because he was so dynamic in, in that type of role. So uh, while it is something that is a little bit of a projection, again, because of the sample size, I would feel comfortable because of his athletic traits and the way the, the, he's just a smart player. And so I, I think that would translate. And I, I feel comfortable him being an every down guy at the NFL level. Okay, very good, very good. Dane, thank you so much for uh, giving me so much time. Uh, go get some rest, man. You've been grinding hard the last few months, and, and you got a lot of work still ahead of you. Drafts not until April, so make sure you get some rest. And uh, you can follow Dane on Twitter at DP uh, Brugler. That's B-R-U-G-L-E-R. And be sure to uh, you know follow his work over at The Athletic. Dane, thank you very much, and keep up the good work. Anytime. Thank you. 
All right, welcome back to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote. Uh, that was Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Great stuff there from Dane. Make sure you go out and give that man a follow on Twitter. Also, check out some of his work if you're not already over at The Athletic. Um, he's one of the best guys in the business. I do want to comment on um, his two uh, first-round picks for the Raiders in his in his mock. I definitely uh, fully support uh, the selections of, of, of C.D. Lamb uh, at 12, and I do think it's a possibility that he is there, as well as uh, Kenneth Murray with the 19th overall pick. And I and I think, and I've been saying it on Twitter, If I'm not sure you know how many of you follow me out there on Twitter, but I've been really making a strong case for Kenneth Murray. I've been posting a lot of clips of him, but I think Kenneth Murray is a guy who um, – they could get even possibly if they were offered a trade in a trade back scenario. You know, if they trade back a few spots, pick up maybe another third or even a second, depending on, you know, what the trade value chart shows. But, um, you know, he's a guy that they could probably get in the in the low to mid twenties. So, um, you know, if not, I'd be totally satisfied with them picking him up with the nineteenth overall pick as well. But uh, I'm 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 on the same page with with Dane as far as uh, C D Lamb and. Kenneth Murray. Okay, well, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Just Pod Baby, the first of many uh, upcoming off-season episodes of the show. Um, you know, I have been working hard, uh, even though I haven't been putting out shows. I've been really trying to, you know, bang the door down and get some guests on the show for you. So uh, I'll continue to do so, and I'll keep you guys in the loop as far as that's concerned, but, uh, you know, give me a follow on Twitter, egrope 5 and I'll try to keep you up to date on when I'm planning to uh, record new shows, so uh, find out that information there on Twitter. Um, I hope everyone enjoys the big game this weekend, Super Bowl 54, uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus San Francisco 49ers. Oh, God, I can't... Uh, Chiefs, really, winning a Super Bowl? I, I don't even want to think about that. Uh, but, anyhow, enjoy the game. Uh, I hope everyone has a great week and just win, baby.